0: It is a, an honor and a privilege uh, to be able to bring, bring God's Word to you. A short while ago, uh, Cheryl and I were on vacation, and we had the opportunity to visit the Ark Encounter in Kentucky. Has anybody else heard of the Ark Encounter? Has anybody been there? Okay. It's a fascinating thing, it's with the Creation uh, Science Institute, and they built a replica of the Ark, um, who knows if it's the exact same thing? It's not likely, but they've done a lot of research. Um, it's really an impressive sight. If you haven't, you, you can't like most attractions. You can't see it from the roadway. You always have to go back some other path. You can't even see it from the parking lot. But when you finally take the short bus trip around to see it, wow! Uh, you see the size of the thing, and you you could actually start to visualize God's planning. And then thinking about it and going through the tours and things there, from the initial concept they had with all the planning they had to go into it, all the details uh, in the research, trying to be as biblically centered as they can and sticking to the scriptures what, what's the size of the of the structure what it what would it have looked like what are the dimensions what is a cubit how many animals or how were all the animals kept and how about a way to provide all the animals with food and fresh water they were instructed to supply enough food for the animals that would last just for over a year supply it's a lot of food now, for the kids, uh, just one little off off the wall truth that's not really true. What would some people say would be the the most popular fruit on the ark? Pears, of course. Now, if you know me, I have to get at least one of those in for each time I give a message. So we got we got that one checked off. Okay. <laughs> well. Seeing with all the things that had to go on with the Ark. Uh, how were they able, after feeding them, how do you get rid of all the waste? There's going to be a lot of that around there. How did Noah get fresh air through the Ark? And how and they did not want to be in the dark all the time, so there had to be some way to get light into there. And so many of the details that I had no clue. We just always see the pictures of the in the children's books with a nice little canoe with the animals hanging out and all that stuff, Um, which this gives you a good dose of reality of what could actually have happened. Well, God commanded Noah to build the ark with these dimensions, and we'll read this in just a little bit. 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high. Now, in our thinking, since we don't really think in cubits, that would be about 450 feet long. 70 feet, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet tall. To retranslate for some, that would be one and a half football fields long, the width of one and a half football fields, and the top would be to the lower to the top row of the lower tier. So that would sort of fit in that dimensions. Okay. <laughs> when I saw the exhibit, I was better to, able to visualize God's planning to save His creation. By cleansing the earth by flood, he destroyed all life of every breathing creature on earth, except for those who were chosen, and all of those were kept safely in the ark, preserved for his glory and his purpose. The old world was washed away, and creation was to begin anew, recreated. So let me read from the passage this morning, Genesis 6. 5 through 22, and then I'll uh, continue on with Genesis 7, 13 through 16. Hear now the word of God. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness was on the earth had become, and every inclination of his thoughts of his hearts was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on earth, and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground, birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. He walked with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people of the earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Make a roof over it and finish the ark with to within 18 inches of the top. Put a door on the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. I am going to bring floodwaters to the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has breath in it. And breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wives and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark all two of every living creature, male and female, to keep them alive with you, two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, and every kind of creature that moves along the ground, will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. Noah did everything just as God had commanded them. And continuing Genesis 7. On that day, on that very day, Noah and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, together with his wife and the wives of his three sons, entered the ark. They had with them every wild animal according to its kind, all livestock according to their kinds, every creature that moves along the ground according to its kind, and every bird according to its kind, everything with wings. Pairs of all creatures that have the breath of life in them came to Noah and entered the ark. The animals going in were male and female of every living thing, as God had commanded Noah. Then the Lord shut them in. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, as we as we see your word, as we look into your word, and how how you offered Noah protection, and how uh, as we will look in as you've given us such wonderful things, a creation, a new creation, that we could come before you. Open our eyes and our ears. Help us to hear your word. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, the Lord shut them in. This is one interesting thing about the ark, was that it had only one door. There's only one way to get in, and only one way to get out. What I want to look at this morning are some examples of shut doors and open doors. We'll take a look at some other particular shut doors or gates and passageways in the Older Testament and then look at some in the Newer Testament. And we'll see how God shut some of the doors and then how he opened them, opened them and the results. Doors, gates, passageways, entry, entryways, simply put, these allow passage through a barrier of some kind. Most commonly, there's a wall. Walls were built to enforce the separation between two sides. Walls can be constructive materials, wood, rock, stone. In essence, it's a strategic line of defense, protecting hopefully the ones who have constructed it. In Noah's situation, the hull, the side of the ship, was the line of defense against the storm to protect them. The purpose of the doors and gates are to allow passage on a certain designated pathway with permission to pass through the wall. We could also say that a bridge over a moat or a large chasm is, in essence, a doorway. You need to cross the bridge. Doors and gates keep people or things that should not be in out. And to keep the people inside the protected area safe from the dangers. Or to keep people and things in from the other side. Protecting the people on the outside. That is to say one example, a lion at a a zoo. Kept in a cage. He's protecting where the cage, the wall is protecting the visitors on the outside. So let's step back. at the very beginning. Soon after creation, Adam and Eve were driven from the Garden of Eden. They were driven from the presence of God because of their sin. Immediately, a barrier now separated mankind from the glory of God. There was no direct fellowship. God cannot stand sin. He cannot tolerate it. There has to be a separation, and man caused that. So they were thrown out, and the doorway, the gate, the pathway was guarded by cherubim. They blocked their way back in, partly to protect Adam and Eve also, and we'll see more example for that. But it was to keep them from the presence of God. In Noah's situation, he, his family, and the animals passed through the wall, the side of the ship. And they passed through the one and only door to get in to safety. Then God shut them in. Again, God created the door. God blocked the way to keep them safe from the dangers that were to come and to keep them safely and securely. They were about to experience God's wrath on the earth. Forty days and forty nights it stormed horrendously and the earth was shaken Man, talk about climate change. Wow. And they experienced God's saving grace through the storms and the trials they were to follow. This was not going to be a little three-hour tour, or was, was it like taking a cruise liner of today with all the amenities and the comforts and everything. This journey of theirs required their constant work. They had to feed the animals, to water the animals, to clean the the cages, to clean everything around, to change the bedding. Whatever needed to be done, they had to do it. And God shut them in. They were chosen, called to the ark. God shut them in. There was no way out. Not that they would really want to get out if they saw the surroundings. Well, after Noah... As time moved on and population grew, the people scattered throughout the lands. And you could reference this in your homework uh, if you read through Genesis 11 and with the account of the Tower of Babel as people rebelled. As people dispersed, they began to build their villages and towns and cities. And, of course, walls were erected around to protect them from the wild beasts that may be around from other invaders, from themselves. How little things have changed, huh? No real difference from today. How many people don't lock their doors at night? How many people live in gated communities? There's so many things in the world all around. Walls, The walls needed passages for the people to enter and to leave. They did have fields to tend to they did have flocks to do and not every village or city had a source of water inside so they may have had to go outside of the village out of the protective walls to get water so they needed doorways to get through and of course these doorways and gateways passages through the walls needed to be needed protection so that the residents could rest securely. Well, throughout history, city gates and palace gates were usually grand structures to display the power of the city, of the, of the town, of the, the kingdom, um, in order for an invader that maybe uh, intimidate an invader that might be thinking of doing something. And in order for an invader or an enemy to overtake a city, they had to pass through the gate. It was fortified. Or to go over the wall. That could be tough. Or to find some other way to sneak in. Well, let me look at another example of a passageway, doorway. And this one I'll say is from Exodus 26, 31 through 33. And bear with me, this is We'll draw we'll draw this together a little bit better. This is when the Israelites were traveling through Sinai, and Moses, they were about to build the, the tabernacle. So here's another doorway. Make a curtain of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and finely twisted linen, with cherubim working worked into it by a skilled craftsman. Hang it with gold hooks on four posts of acacia wood, overlaid with gold and standing on four silver bases. Hang the curtain from the clasp and place the ark of the testimony behind the curtain. The curtain will separate the holy place from the most holy place. Another barrier has been put in, in the the tabernacle. And we see here again the cherubim. Remember in the garden of Eden, the cherubim. Their instructions were at this time to weave it into the the cloth. So the cherubim were standing guard between, between the holy God and sinful mankind. The image was woven into the fabric. The curtain may not seem like much of a barrier to us and to people out of the designated area, the holy of holies in a tabernacle, but should anyone Attempt to go through who was not called or permitted by God to enter into the Holy of Holies, it was curtains for them. Even Moses could not enter the Holy of Holies without God's calling because the entire tent of meeting was filled with the glory of God. And Moses had experienced the glory of God to some extent a little bit earlier. If we look back, and if you remember when Moses was on Mount Sinai, to receive the Ten Commandments. God shielded Moses. Let me read that passage again from Exodus 33. Then Moses said, show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But, He said, you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face you must not see. The glory of God he was being protected god hid hid him with his hand such as with the the curtain in the temple and the tabernacle people were to be shielded and protected with that the glory of god filled the holy of holies the tent of meeting meetings the curtain was to protect the people it was to protect the priest who had their regular duties inside the temple outside of the holy of holies And then later on in the temple built by Solomon and uh, in Herod's time. Do not think for a moment that the glory of God is confined to one small little area. No, if you remember, we just read the glory of God covered Mount Sinai. And if I recall correctly, God created the universe, the glory of God. So the curtain separated the people from the glory of God. It was a door which could be passed through to approach God, and only by one priest, one called person each year. And that was on the Day of Atonement, on a chosen day by a chosen person for chosen purpose. This curtain, which separated God, man from God, in the Holy of Holies, was made again in the temple by Solomon and also in the second temple made in king king herod's time and this was a temple that jesus worshiped at it was a thick curtain reaching from the ceiling to the floor probably around 50 feet tall and complete to completely hide the innermost chamber of the temple and again only the priest a man chosen by god could enter the area on the day of atonement which is yom kippur as a representative for the people, to present the blood from the sacrificial lamb and to pour it on the mercy seat. Now, the mercy seat, as a reminder, is what was covering the Ark of the Covenant, and that was the only item that was kept back in the Holy of Holies. The priest had several cleansing rituals that he had to follow even before he could dare enter beyond the curtain to approach the presence of God. And just in case they would bind a, a rope around him, so in case something happened, and the others didn't have to go in to get him, they could pull him out because it was curtains for him. So let's on let's move on to the newer testament. And I'll be reading this time from John ten verses 1 through 10. This is the part, this is part of where Jesus is going through his I Am series. I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs over and but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is a shepherd of the sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by his name And leads them out. When he has brought all his own. He goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow him. Because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact they will run away from him. Because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech. But they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore Jesus said again. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who entered, who all whoever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and to have it to the full. So far, I've given three examples of closed doors. We have the garden, the ark, and the temple. Now, Jesus declares himself as the gate, the doorway, the way to safety, security, relationship to God. Did you hear the words of Jesus, though? I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. We may not fully understand As sheep, what a shepherd does, or what his job is, but the audience was very familiar with what was going on because they understood. They were shepherds. They were agricultural. They knew how shepherds were to care the flocks, how they led them. During the day, they would lead them to safe, safe pastures and green pastures. In the evening, they would bring them back to a sheepfold. Now several several flocks may be in the same sheepfold but it was a walled area and then there was a watchman that would guard the gate and as jesus said before anybody who was come in had to either scale the walls and those were only thieves people meant and uh, people meant to do harm to steal and destroy <laughs> To get in there properly, they had to go through the gatekeeper. Well, so they leave their sheep at night. And when you think about it, when we're coming up to Christmas, the shepherds came to Jesus. They had already dropped off the sheep at the sheep inn and then come over and they could see the newborn babe. At night, several flocks would combine in the pen. The watchmen would watch over the entire flocks Then in the morning, when the shepherd comes, you've got a lot of sheep there. He'd call his sheep out, and his sheep would follow. Only his sheep, because they knew his voice. They wouldn't follow others. So they could all pull, each shepherd could pull their own sheep out. And that's what Jesus is saying. They come in, and the shepherd calls. I am the good shepherd. Did you hear the words of Jesus? So, the audience had a pretty good idea of what Jesus was claiming, and the leaders were not happy about the jab that they received. Throughout the scripture, the sheep represented Israel, and the leaders were given the responsibility to care for the sheep, and they had not really done a terrific job. They were a little upset at Jesus for pointing out the failures in leadership and their caring for the flock. They heard Jesus, but would not follow him. Now you recall, and Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It was shortly after that Jesus was making these claims that he was crucified on the cross. He died on the cross as the Lamb of God for me, for you, and for all who would come to him. This is not the last example, but what happened after the crucifixion? He died, uh, his body was placed in a borrowed grave, in a borrowed tomb. It was just for a short time anyway, but the entrance was covered by a large stone. And just for giggles, they put a seal on it. And then they put a guard around it. Just in case something might happen, it was a closed door. Now let's open some of the doors. Easter morning. Hallelujah. He's risen. The stone was rolled away. The seals were broken. The stone has moved. The door is open. New life has come. He conquered death to give life to those who would follow him, to give give us new life. Now let's take another step back. We see the last order we showed, let's go back. Let's go back to the temple. Remember that curtain? What happened at the moment of Jesus' death? It's recorded in two spots. I'll read from Matthew 27:50 and 51. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rock split. Here again, the doorway that blocked man from God was torn, not from the bottom up, that you might expect but from the top down showing that god tore the curtain it was fixed solidly up to the top of the temple god tore it we now had direct access to god the glory of god was able to come out to the people it wasn't as christ as our high priest we can now approach God. God has torn a curtain from the top. Jesus' death on the cross as the Lamb of God allows us direct access to the true and living God. That doorway is now open to all who would enter. Now let's go back even more, back to Noah. When the ark had finally settled on solid ground, it had been over a year It was now time to leave the ark. The door had to be opened. They had come out of the ark into a new world. The old things had been washed away. In a way, they entered a new creation. Noah, his family, and the animals which were on the ark all heard God's call previously to the safety of the ark. I I ask you again, did you hear what Jesus said? I am the gate. And again, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is only one way to the Father, only one path, and that's through Christ Jesus. When Adam and Eve were exiled from the garden and fellowship with God, we are now invited. We are called to come to him, to enter his rest, to enter the garden. Christ has unlocked the door, has opened the door. Have you heard the call of Jesus? Did you hear what Jesus said? Let's pray. Lord and Savior, gracious God. What a delight What awe-inspiring notion that you've opened the doors. That we could come before you, the true and living God, to worship you, to know you as our God. Hallelujah. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.